So it says in Genesis chapter three, verse one, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Because earlier God told Adam and Eve that they could eat of anything in the garden except from the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's what they ate from. So Genesis uh, 3, 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. Satan lies to man just like he does over and over again throughout history. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. That kind of sounded like a weird TV show host for a second there, but that's okay. All right, so we are at... Uh, what is going to be the last episode of part one of season three. So uh, I shared this earlier on, if you've been following uh, along this season on the podcast, I had shared that for season three, I was going to do half the season, take a short break for some of the summer, and then uh, kick back up um, uh, halfway through the summertime. This first half of the season, uh, we have been... Uh, I have been working through uh, this topic of wounds, uh, really kind of foreshadowing uh, some of what's coming in my book, talking to some people that have experienced wounds, how they've overcome those, uh, you know, past hurt, heartache, tragedy. Um, and then as we step into part two of season three, uh, which will uh, pick back up, I'm actually going to look at my calendar right here, which will pick back up July the 13th is looking like what we're probably going to, or when we're probably going to get started. So probably right around the uh, middle of July, uh, we're going to get started on the second half of season three. And the way that format is going to work is... I am going to uh, kick off with a kind of just like a book overview, uh, as well as um, uh, just kind of uh, setting the tone for 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 that that half of the the season. And then uh, I'm going to on the next episode, I'm going to read the introduction to the book and kind of narrate through that, uh, talking through some points, extracting a few things. I probably won't read the whole thing, but a good majority of it. Uh, then I will follow uh, that week with a guest that has experienced a wound um, somewhat similar to what I've addressed. Then I'll do chapter one, and then a guest, chapter two, and then a guest. So that's the format that will follow along uh, for the whole of season three. Still looking for a couple of guests to fill in some slots, but um, uh, but most of that is shaping up, and it's actually shaping up to be pretty incredible. But as I land uh, this first half of season three, I thought it would be helpful uh, to talk about something that uh, is extremely important and isn't covered specifically in my book. And this was actually the result of a question that my wife asked me um, about my book and about some of the content that we've been creating, a video that I did kind of promoing uh, the book and a few other things. And so, 
she, she actually asked me this question. She says, you talk about the framework helping one to identify a wound, but does it also give ways to help them heal from those wounds? And first of all, like what a fa- fantastic question she asked. I'm super thankful that I have a smart wife and she she is uh, intuitive and thinks through things like that and understands what I'm trying to accomplish, how I'm going to accomplish it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and my answer to her was, yes, of course, uh, once they see that video, then they're either going to start reading the book or they're going to go through our course. So they're going to then they're going to understand how to heal uh, and the framework that we've created to do that called the wound wound analysis framework. But there's something that really um, uh, comes before all of this. Uh, it was what ultimately was the healer in my wounds. Uh, and it is ultimately the only thing that is ever going to heal any of your wounds too. Like my book is going to give great examples and a wonderful framework. And I'm really confident in, in, in what uh, I've put together and what the team has put together and how that is going to play out and helping you to identify your wounds, work through them and grow from them. But there is something that uh, I talk about quite a bit over and over again, but I want to be explicit here. And this is really going to set up the second season. And it's this. I believe that without question, the only way to ever heal and grow from the wounds that we um, do to ourselves or that are done to us by other people. So the hurt the heartache, the tragedy, things like abuse and addiction and broken relationships and people letting us down and talking bad behind our back. Like every single one of those things is ultimately only healed by Jesus. And for some of you, that are listening. I mean, most of you probably expect that I would say something to that degree, but for some of you, there was just like a big eye roll. It's like, come on, but there's just no other way. God created us. The Bible says that God formed man and created him in his own image to reflect him to the world around us. And brokenness initially started in the garden of Eden Eve ate the forbidden fruit. Adam lied, was a poor leader in the process. Uh, They tried to hide that from God, and that broke the covenant between man and God. And ultimately, that's how sin enters the world. That's how brokenness enters the world. And that's why we all experience the brokenness that we do. We inherit that from that initial sin, that first falling of man. But by God's grace, because God is good, because God loves us, he doesn't leave us that way. There's this fascinating, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but there's this fascinating passage uh, in the book of Genesis uh, when uh, when it's talking about uh, when Adam sinned. Uh, and it says this. So I'm actually going to read this. I I actually wasn't planning to do this. And I just decided that this is super helpful because I want you to see where this brokenness originated and how God responds. Because some people have just this misunderstanding of how God responds to our sin and our brokenness. 
So it says in Genesis chapter three, verse one, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Because earlier God told Adam and Eve that they could eat of anything in the garden except from the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's what they ate from. So Genesis uh, 3, 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. Satan lies to man just like he does over and over again throughout history. Verse five, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. By the way, what's fascinating here was God had already created man in his own image, like God. And yet Satan had tempted, was tempting man to try to be like God. And ultimately they would, he would, man would sin against God for something that God had already given them. Just so, so wild, so backwards, but so, so typical of man today. Verse six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. He could have been a good man stepping up to the plate, rejecting the idea of joining in on the sin. And yet he just fell right into line. Such a mistake as the leader that God had called him to be. Verse seven, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Again, their eyes were opened. All of a sudden they saw themselves for who they now were, which was broken individuals, a man and a woman who had broken covenant with God and therefore destroyed what God intended and created for them. Verse eight, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said to him, where are you? And he said, man said, he says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? By the way, again, fascinating sideline here. Man sins, thinks he can hide it from God. God knew all along exactly what would happen. So often we sin and we think we can hide it from God when all the while we can hide it from everybody else, even though we'll ultimately always get found out, but we can never hide it from God. So anyway, an another interesting point. Um, so again, verse 11, he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? That's what God said. The man, Adam says, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate it. Again, what an idiot. He, he tries to pass off his responsibility for sinning against God by blaming Eve. What a weak man that was. And there are so many like him today. Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate of it. So the Lord God uh, condemns Satan, the serpent, for what he's done. He then tells uh, uh, both Eve and then Adam that they are now going to feel the negative effects of sinning against God. But here's what's fascinating. God has every right, every opportunity to punish 
Adam and Eve in that moment, just to condemn them, to call them terrible names, uh, to, uh, if that was within his character, to, to, to whatever. And, and yet here is God's response. In verse 20, Genesis 3, verse 20, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And just stop there for a second. God knows that Adam and Eve were created in his image to glorify him, to serve him, to work the world's garden for him. And man sins against God. Man, man breaks that covenant. Man destroys uh, the beginnings of what God creates. And, in, and, and as the result of that, one of the things that happens is, is then uh, Adam and Eve's eyes are both open to the fact that they're naked. They feel shame, uh, both for the sin that they've committed, but then now because they're embarrassed, because now they're seeing them each other in ways they shouldn't have seen each other. They should see each other naked, but not in that way. And so they feel this overwhelming sense of shame. And so God has every opportunity to further shame them, but he does something very different. God clothes them. He makes a sacrifice for them from skins of an animal and he clothes them. And I just think that that is so incredibly profound and something we can so easily overlook is even when we commit a sin against God directly, when we break the covenant between us and God, God's first response is not to condemn. It's not to hurt us. It's to cover us. It's to protect us. It's to help us. And I just think that that is such a profound act that we miss so often. When, 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 when you commit a sin, when you are broken, God's not out to get you, to hurt you. God's out to rescue you, to protect you and to cover you. So that pattern is a pattern that would continue all throughout scripture, ultimately ending at least for scripture's sake um, in Christ himself coming down into this world, becoming a man incarnate, living a perfect life, dying the sinner's death, sacrificing his own body and pouring out his own blood for the sins that we had committed, are committing and will commit forever until we see him once again. He would die and, ri ri and rise again. And in doing so, he prepares an opportunity for us to experience the eternal life with him that he had created us for initially. I mean, this is brokenness healed 101. It's a very complex topic. There are, there's a lot that comes with it, but we cannot miss the fact that God created us. God sustained us. 
God protects us and God heals us. And so when we experience brokenness, if our first reach or our first response is not to God, we're missing out on the opportunity to truly heal from our brokenness, to heal from our wounds, whether we did them to ourselves or somebody else did them to us. We want other people to restore us. We try and fix ourselves. And yes, there are practical ways that we can walk towards healing and restoration, towards greatness, as I propose in my book. And I want that for people. And I believe that God calls us to do that. But it it ultimately must start with him. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Later on in the book of Hebrews, uh, it would say that Jesus is able to empathize with our weaknesses. He understands our struggles. He struggled too, yet without sin. And so he's on this journey with us. He was cast out by those closest to him. He was sold out by somebody that he once considered to be a friend. He was murdered. He was shamed. He was talked bad about. He understands what it's like to be hurt by other people. And so he sympathizes with us. He empathizes because he understands. He's near to us. I think that as we walk around in this world and we're struggling, it's so easy to try to reach for tangible, practical things. We go to books. I mean, heck, I wrote one. Um, We go to podcasts. uh, We go to videos. We go to friends. And all of those things can be helpful, but none of them replace the ultimate healing and restoration come, that comes by acknowledging that Christ was the one that created us, that he died for us, and that part of his death and resurrection was to heal us from our brokenness. For me in my own life, nothing completely made sense until I came to faith. I mean, I was 28, and still to this day, I'm striving to know more about who God is, what Jesus has done for me, how the spirit continues to work to heal my soul, to restore my soul. Um, by the way, if, the, if this, if this topic is, um, is helpful to you, uh, there's a wonderful book that my pastor, Alan Frau wrote called Psalms for a Saturated Soul. And it talks a lot about uh, a lot of these same topics, uh, and I highly recommend it to you. As a matter of fact, if you want a copy, you can hit me up. I have some, and I'd be happy to send you one. Or you can go on Amazon, and you can buy it for yourself. It's called Psalms for a Saturated Soul by Alan, Alan Frau. Um, but we, ha- we have to recognize that first. If you are not, I, I understand that for some of you, it's hard to accept that because right now you don't think you believe in God, or maybe you don't believe in God or because you've been hurt. 
by somebody in the church representing God. You've been let down by God himself because you didn't get what you wanted or you lost something that you loved so much. And I understand what that's like. I've experienced both of those things myself many times over. I was hurt by the church as a leader in the church. But that's not God's fault. That's man's fault. And every single time that I've been hurt, I have felt a greater draw to go to the Lord, to pray, to seek him, to ask him for healing. When I've sinned, to go to those I've sinned against, but ultimately to go to Jesus, to ask for forgiveness, to be restored, to be healed. I don't talk about this a lot in, um, I don't talk about this, I think at all in, um, in my book, but I've mentioned this before, so it's worth mentioning now. Um, when I was growing up, probably by the time I was a t- middle schooler, I found pornography. Um, back then it was Playboy and Penthouse and uh, random VHS tape every once in a while. But as I grew up, you know, that became like easy access on the internet. And, um, and that led to other things that I, that I won't get into, but just so many distortions with sex and sex, uh, sex and sexual experience and uh, stuff like that. But one of the most fascinating things to me was, um, when I came to faith, God almost completely eradicated that from my life. I felt so forgiven, so free Now, if I'm honest, uh, in the 17 years that I've been a Christian, I have gotten sucked back in a time or two to clicking on a picture I shouldn't have or running down a rabbit trail of, you know, uh, things that I shouldn't be looking at for sure. But I was addicted to looking and consuming, looking at and consuming as much pornography as, as I could. And it's all but gone. That was the Lord. I mean, there's there's no other reason other than that. Because the internal desire to, to look at attractive women doesn't go away. But by God's grace, I'm able to fix my eyes on my wife to be fully satisfied by her. And I'm grateful for that. But that was God's doing. I... I didn't do anything different. My wife didn't do anything different. Now I've had to continue to be proactive in fighting against it. But that was the Lord's healing my own brokenness. God restored the relationship between myself and my dad that I talk about a lot in my book. God restored my marriage. Now he doesn't eradicate everything. There are struggles that we are all going to continue to have this side of heaven or this side of Christ returning and restoring this world. But I just feel like there's such an incredible opportunity to lay it all at the feet of Jesus and watch him work. There's this wonderful book, uh, another book reference called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, And it's really all prefaced around uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, which says, come to me all who are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying to you and to me that in this world, you will have tribulation, but bring it to me, give it to me. Let me take that burden on you and I will give you my light burden, which is the freedom that he's accomplished on the cross for us. Jesus died in order that we could live. Jesus was made a slave in order that we could be free. It's an incredible, incredible opportunity that we have. And so as I set up, as I finish this episode and set up what is going to be season part two of season three of this podcast, and I'm going to talk about all the ways that I've been impacted uh, by my own hurt and by the hurt of other people and how that's caused heartache and experiencing tragedy and talking to other people about that. And not everybody is going to, that I'm going to have on the podcast is going to align with me that, that Jesus is the way, but ultimately Jesus is the way. And so what I want to leave you with is this, is if you have never come to faith in Jesus, whether you grew up around the church or not, I'm sure you're aware of the fact that people talk about the fact that there's a God out there that created the universe and everything in it, that there's this guy and his name is Jesus and he, and he lived on this earth and was set, crucified on a cross. Maybe you have some influences uh, um, around you that have talked to you about Christianity, or maybe you've listened to me rant on and on about it over the years on this podcast or through my content. I would just encourage you to this. If you are in a season of brokenness, if you are in a season of struggle, maybe that doesn't, that doesn't mean that your life is in shambles, but there are just things that are off and you're struggling my encouragement to you is to consider, consider that Jesus is calling for you, that he desires for you to follow him. You know, there's this misnomer that says that if I follow Jesus, I have to give up my life. And there are things that you are ultimately going to have to give up because there are things in your life that are not helpful to you. But don't worry about what you have to give up. Go to the Lord. Commit to following Jesus and then let him work that out. You may not even know what that looks like or what that means. What does committing to the Lord mean? What it means is this. It's acknowledging that there is a God out there that created the world and everything in it, including you. And that he created you because he loved you. That through your own doing, you have committed sin in this world against other people, but ultimately against God. But that Jesus made a way for you to restore that covenant that you broke with God when you sinned. And that's Jesus. And that by acknowledging that Jesus came down to this earth, lived the perfect life, died the sinner's death, was buried and rose again to restore your life and your relationship with God, 
to acknowledge that as a starting place, to acknowledge that it's even being possible is a place to start. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to get it all. But that's the place to start, is it's at least possible that God created the world and everything in it, including you. That it's at least possible that Jesus died on the cross and sacrificed himself for you. That Jesus loves you. And that the Holy Spirit is is drawing you now to come to God. Just at least give that a chance. If you acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, Savior, and you're struggling through a season of brokenness, my, my encouragement to you is to go to him in prayer. And for some of you, you're like, I have been praying and I don't know what else to do. Just keep praying. God will give you the answers. God will show you what he's trying to do in your life and ultimately why you've experienced the brokenness you have. Because on the other side of that brokenness is beauty. It's fascinating how every single low point in my life has been followed by a high point that I can look back on those past hurts, heartaches, and tragedies and see all of the ways that ultimately they were, they were shaping me for the better, that ultimately they were setting my life up for good. Even the worst ones. That doesn't mean that I'm happy about what happened, but it's that I see good as the result of what happened. And so seek God, surround yourself with other Christians that will encourage you to do the same. That's how we're going to heal our brokenness. There's no framework. There's no methodology. There is nothing that is going to replace a relationship with God. He is the one that restores your soul. He is the one that will restore your brokenness. And so my encouragement to you is to seek that out. And with that in mind, then as we move into the second half of the season, you're going to hear all the amazing ways that God has worked in my life and the lives of every guest I'm going to have. Whether they acknowledge it or not, it's God that's working in their life to show them how good he is, to show them the plans that he has for them, and to show them that by following him, your life will be far better than you could ever possibly imagine. So that's my hope as we land this half of the season, as we point you towards the next half of the season. Thank you guys so much for your support uh, over the years. If you've been listening over three years, I've had four years, almost I've had this podcast. Maybe you've just picked up the last couple of episodes, maybe just this half of season three so far, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the feedback that you give. Um, commenting uh, and liking on social media. I would appreciate you to go share these podcasts with friends, family, with other people that you feel would benefit from these types of things. But again, my encouragement to you is to seek God because he has, if this podcast doesn't, it's God that has every answer you could possibly, or it has the answer to every question that you could possibly ever ask. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support, for your encouragement, uh, for everything that you've done. I cannot wait to get into the second season. I can't wait to start sharing more insights about my book with you. If you want to learn more about the book, you can go to woundsbook.com, W-O-U-N-D-S-B-O-O-K.com. You can sign 
up to be a part of our uh, interest list there. You're going to throw your name into the hat, uh, win some cool prizes as we get closer to book release, which hopefully will be late August, early September, but it's coming really, really soon. So I just appreciate you guys so much. If you have any feedback for me, you know where to find me. Thank you. Have an amazing day. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.